Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast, which Craig Touch, myself, Roland Hume, chat to some of the leading lights and interesting figures in this crazy industry of writing and self-publishing. And today we are delighted to have a very special guest, D.F. Hart, who is an accountant by day and a suspense author by night. And she is here to share her wisdom with us. How are you doing this evening? I'm well. I'm well. It uh, it is a Friday evening here in Texas, and yeah, we made it through the work week. So yay! Well, that's awesome. And we wouldn't be here, of course, without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems, and an author himself. How are you doing this evening, Craig? I'm doing great. Thanks, Roland, and thanks for joining us, DF Hart. Uh, we have had you write blogs for us before. Um, I remember last year around this time-ish, uh, you wrote one called Accounting for Authors, um, because you have all that background with that, right? So, uh, you know, as Roland said, you're an accountant by day, and and that's actually, you know, that's kind of how it works with a lot of writers. We have these day jobs, and we write on our off time, you know, it's like almost like our alter ego. We're all superheroes, right? Um, so what we wanted to talk to you about this time was the idea of, uh, and I mean, you're going to explain this a lot better than I will, but I'm going to sum it up <laughs> by uh, by basically the idea of risk tolerance, risk capacity, and, and what that is and what it means for an author. And um, you know, this is something that you use in the sort of the finance world, but you've you've figured out a way to apply it to uh, your career as an author. And I think that what you've done with it and and what you've shown me is really interesting. And I think it could be of a lot of value to other um, authors who are seeing what's happening in the industry and thinking, hey, you know, maybe I should try this. Maybe I should try that. And they and they don't know whether they should or not. And they don't even know how to how to decide whether they should or not right and you've almost like put that into like a, a formula so you could calculate it out so let's let's talk about that a little bit absolutely yes these are are two terms that are uh, more commonly found on the finance side of the finance and accounting planet um, but they are um, very handy and very useful and very easy uh, concepts for authors to apply in their in their day to day transactions and, and deciding uh, how and in which direction to grow their business, um, risk tolerance in its purest definition is the amount of uncertainty that you as a business owner are comfortable with. For a lot of people who start out writing a book, they don't think of it as a business. It's a passion. Maybe they've carried a story around in their head for years and they finally get around to getting it out of their heads and onto the page or, you know, in an electronic format or whatever. But a lot of them, I don't think, grasp the concept that the moment you put a price on that and publish it for public consumption and sale, you become a business owner. And at that point, you really it really serves you well to have at least a few of the basics in place to help you properly and and um, manage and guide the direction of your business. So much of this business is out of our control, but if we have a very um, focused approach to how we want to try to grow our business, we get some a little bit of that control back. Um, so risk tolerance is the amount of risk that you as a business owner are comfortable with. An example of that would be trying to decide whether or not to put out an audiobook version of your ebook. Okay. Risk capacity answers the question, do I have to take this risk right this second in order to reach the goals that I have set for myself? So two sides of the same coin. We're talking about risk, but it's a what's your gut level comfort with the idea of taking this step. And do you have to take this step right this minute to be successful in what you're trying to do? And if authors will take those and apply them to their author career, I think they'd be much better served in some of the decisions that they're faced with on a daily, weekly, monthly, or yearly basis. Um, a good way to think of these things is kind of like stoplights to help you guide your business decisions. If you cannot answer yes to either one of those questions, then you really need to rethink what you're thinking about doing. If the answer to one of the questions is no, that's a yellow light. 
maybe proceed with caution as you're chasing down that goal or that project that you're considering taking on to expand your business? And if the answer to both of those questions is yes, then it's probably a viable move for your author business. But you've got to apply those concepts. So, okay, so in the case of an author, in the, in the example that you used, in the case of an author who is at the point where they've put out a book and now they're trying to decide, should I bother with an ebook or sorry, with an audiobook? Hmm. What are the, let's, let's try to make it really plain. What are the, what are the two questions? So the risk tolerance question hmm. would be, would be what? Do I feel comfortable taking this step? Putting out an audiobook. Being the step, right? Yep. And then, and then, so do I feel comfortable taking this the step of putting out an audiobook? And that's the that's the question. Yes. Okay. And then for risk capacity, the question is: Do I have to put out an audiobook right in this second to advance my author career? And to in the decision about advancing your author career, that I guess would be sort of a personal thing about you know, for each author, figuring out what their goals are um, and whether or not they, you know, like what are you, is an author, you've put out a book. Now, what do you want to do? You, you know, like, are you making enough money? Are you trying to figure out like, do I want to get to the next level because I want to make more money? Do I want to uh, start on my next book, you know, or whatever, right? Because if, if your goal is, uh, let's say to put out another book, I guess the answer to, risk capacity would be no, right? Because you don't need to put out an audiobook to put out another ebook. Is that right? Correct. Correct. All right. Look at that. Gold star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know it and if you apply these concepts on even at a at a very basic level, um, and I've actually I can give you a, an example of where I, I applied these concepts. Um Successfully and unsuccessfully. Sure. The first, yeah, the first time that I, I um, sh- probably, I guess a better way to put it is I should have applied these concepts and I didn't. Um, I began my indie author career in March of 2019. And in uh, February-ish of 2020, I went ahead and had the first two books of mine put out in audiobook format as well. Now at that time, I only had three books total. I did not have a fan base. I was, I had barely started trying to get a newsletter following. Um, I had zero visibility on any of the platforms really to speak of. Um, that was not a good point in time for me to try to do audiobooks. The answer to the risk capacity, did I have to take that step at that point in time? I did not. Okay. And so because I didn't stop and ask myself that question at the time, it was basically a waste of money. Yeah. And so, and then that's, that's the, I mean, like, and that's what we're saying is that it is, you know, the answer to that question for you was no, but for another author who it's super important for whatever reason to put out an audiobook, uh, maybe they, maybe they are part of a big audiobook group and a lot of people are asking for an audiobook version of their, of right. their story, then that might, then the answer for them would be yes. So it's not a black and white answer for everybody it's it's very much based on your personal journey career as an author yeah and your reader base you've got you you know some authors have got a reader base that that uh, overwhelmingly prefer audiobook you've got others reader base that you know they have to have the tangible book in their hands so for that author a better choice might be let's put out a hardcover version let's put out a large print version versus an audiobook you know so yes right. the 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 components that make up the answer to that question for each individual is as individual as the scenario that they're looking at. What, what might be right for me in my career may not be the same for you and yours, but these questions can still help you find your own personal baseline on your own personal, personal path on this journey. Right. And that's why it's so important to understand how these questions work, because we get, nobody can do it for you because they don't have the X and Y to plug into the formula to, to get you the answer you need. You're, that comes from you, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. All right. So then that was the time where it uh, where you didn't it didn't work. Right? Yeah. 
or, or so where, I should, or where or I should, you should have asked where, the question. Right. Where I should have asked myself, really stopped and, and, and did a hard stop and answer my, asked that question of myself, and I did not. So a successful scenario where I implemented um, asking myself, am I comfortable with taking this step? And do I have to take this step to reach your goals was in the fall of 2020 when uh, somebody, I want to say it was Mr. Craig with hidden gems. Yeah, I think so. Um, This this one's my favorite example. (laughs) We were, we were visiting back in, in September of 2020 and I'd booked a consult with the the lovely and talented Craig. And uh, I was trying to figure out why I, I felt like I, needed to be getting more traction on my, on my fiction works and they just weren't going anywhere. And, uh, Craig was, was, uh, nice enough to point out to me that my covers, while they were pretty, really did not say, I am a crime thriller, pick me up and read me. And so at that point I had to, um, do a hard stop and I had to ask myself the two questions. Am I comfortable with taking the step of spending the money to recover this series to try to make it more successful? And the answer to that question was overwhelmingly yes. And then the second question, do I have to recover this series in order to make them more successful? And in my case, based on my, I I went and pulled all my sales data from inception up until that point in time. And that answer was also overwhelmingly yes. My series was dead in the water. Even a bunch of ad spend wasn't resurrecting the sales for that series. And I think it's a testament to answering those questions and and actually listening to the questions, answering those questions honestly, and then taking steps to move forward with the project. It paid dividends. I got my first book bub ever, not even a month after I recovered that series. Um, I went from making $700 my first year as an author to almost $9,000 the next year. Uh, 2022 was my first five-figure sales year as an author. And every single bit of that was because I was able to answer both of those questions yes when it came to recovering my series. These questions, I was just going to ask, could you give some examples of the questions? Sure. Um, should I uh, take my first book in my thriller set, which is Book of Secrets, should I put that out in a German translation? And would I be comfortable with taking that step? Possibly. I'd have to do some market research and see how well crime thrillers do in German. Do I have to take that step right this minute to make myself more successful as an author? Possibly. I'd have to do market research. So for me, that pers- that particular scenario would be a yellow. Now, do you ever dial it? Needed. Did you ever sort of dial it back? What you're thinking about is those those big questions. Right. When you were perhaps a little early in your career, was it a case of like, is this cover right? Is this blurb right? Because I know I've transformed the success of some of my books one time just by changing the font size of my blurb on Amazon. And it's yeah. like these these little details uh, to many of us, they seem inconsequential, but actually they can make a massive difference to the way your book performs. And your covers are beautiful and your blurbs are really, really good. And was that was that something that just happened or did they go through some evolution from when you first published your books to, to where they are now? <laughs> the covers definitely <laughs> were an evolution for sure. Um, the blurbs really haven't changed that much, to be honest. Uh, I just got to the point where I was like, I almost thought of it like almost like a, a really, really short version of an elevator pitch. I, I've seen other uh, people's blurbs that are, you know, 12 paragraphs long, and I just prefer to keep it simple. Two or three sentences, maybe five or six sentences at the most. Um, but for me, one of the, so you get, maybe it's not a, a, a you know, a great big, I, I need to rebrand my entire world. Maybe it's something as simple as, okay, my prequel is a store is more of a historical crime fiction. And all the rest of the stuff is set in present day. Maybe I need to take that that book one out of book one status and I need to move it to prequel and use it as a reader magnet. That's like really me. interesting because then you're really getting into the business side of things. Which right. Is- so then what I was able to do, because I, I asked and answered, I applied those two questions. Do I need to take, am I comfortable with taking the step of, of moving my, his, my only historical thing in the whole set 
to prequel status. Yes, I am. Do I need to do that to reach my goals? Well, yeah, because right now my my the, my book's funnel, reader funnel was misaligned. I had people who wouldn't read Wall of Secrets because they're not history crime buffs. And I had other people who didn't want to continue reading the rest of the series because those weren't historical crime fiction. So I had done myself a disservice having those two like that. So what I did was I said, I answered the two questions, yes. So I took Wall of Secrets, I moved it to the prequel, and in the back of the book, of in the back matter of book one, I said, who was this guy and why did he hate this guy so much? Sign up for my newsletter and get my prequel to find out. It's the, it's the backstory. That's, so that's clever. A, so that's another example of using those two questions to try to kind of, because, you know, when you first start out, we don't know what we don't know. If I had it to do over again, Wall of Secrets would have never been in book one position to begin with. But well, it's amazing know, what you circle back and fix later, you know. I think that that's, that's, the, that's one of the keys that I was actually going to uh, ask about. Is like, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. So it's almost like, you know, you have to use these questions almost uh, continuously, right? You, you know, to almost with every decision, every business decision that you want to make. I'm thinking that like when you started, you know, you came to me for the consult, but that was almost like a question uh, just to get to, to whether or not you should have a consult, whether or not, you know, your risk tolerance, like you were only earning a few hundred bucks, like maybe that was a, a question, right? Like, do I think that I need to to ask somebody for assistance, whether, you know, whoever it is, right? Do I need to figure out what it is I don't know, right? Because like, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes uh, you have no way of figuring that out unless you go to somebody who might have some answers or at least able to see things from a different perspective. So I wonder if that was sort of almost like one of your questions, or maybe that was before you even started asking yourself the questions. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, and that's an excellent, excellent example. You know, we get so bogged down, I think, sometimes in, in the minutia of our own author planet. That we It becomes a forest for tree syndrome. You know, I... um to be honest, because when you and I booked the consult, I was actually, I started off talking to Craig about my romance series. That's the, that's the, that's the series we started off talking about. <laughs> and he right. said, well, let's take a look at your thriller covers while we're on the call. And I said, oh, my thriller covers are fine. We don't know. Yeah, no, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. And so, I mean, in the middle of that phone call, I had to apply these two, these two questions. Am I comfortable with taking a look at the thriller set too, just to, to verify that they're all beautiful, wonderful, and perfect. Yes, I am. And then come to find out they weren't beautiful and perfect. And so did I have to change them based on our conversation? Did I, was I at a point where in my career where I had to change them to make them viable? And the answer to both of those was yes. <laughs> so. Well, like you said, I don't think the issue was that they weren't beautiful. They just weren't uh, right. They just didn't so. say crime thriller. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that's a common problem, right? People put, people go and they get a great looking cover, but it's, uh, it's not right for their genre. It's not right for their book. It's not, it's not connecting them to the audience that are, you know, that they need to connect with. Right. So it doesn't mean that the cover itself is not a nice cover. It's just not nice for your book. It's not right for your book. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's um, sometimes it sounds like, you know, one question leads to another, to another, and it sort of builds and, and then, you know, you end up answering questions, answering questions that you didn't even know you had. Right. Right. Yeah. But, the, but the, the cool thing about these two concepts is that they can apply to literally any situation that you can be faced with as an author. They're, they're two of the, of the, I consider them to, to be two of the basic building blocks of not only running a business, but growing your business. And it keeps you, if you ask these questions and you ask them honestly of yourself and you do the research to figure out what the best answer to those questions is for your personal situation, you're going to save yourself a lot of time, headaches, and money. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the examples that you had uh, given me that uh, would be maybe a good thing to sort of go through because it's relevant to so many authors is that um, the one about the uh, you know your ad spend and your royalty <laughs> and all that stuff, right? That right. Uh, you know, that's one that I think would be relevant to a lot of authors and they probably, you know, 
that that's one that they that they might even be able to apply directly to themselves without even having to come up with all the parameters themselves. Like it's almost like it's pretty obvious and it works in in every case pretty much, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's talk marketing strategy. You know, there's several different uh, there's several different um, recommendations or several different trains of thought. I personally believe that mark the whole marketing thing when it comes to being an indie author is it's kind of like a buffet. You've got to try out things that work f- and, and see what works for you. You know, one 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 author may have great success with Amazon ads, and another one may not. And that may depend as much on how much the first author is willing to spend or can spend on Amazon ads as much as anything else. But all things being equal, as far as like your ad copies, good, solid, you've got a solid built, solidly built and solidly worded and effective Amazon ad. We're going to assume that is the baseline because there's a lot of variation in quality of ads also. But just to keep it simple, we're going to say that that we're apples to apples on that part of it, okay? So trying to decide on marketing strategy. So let's say that I have a budget of $1,000, and I've got a book that I'm going to put on sale for $0.99 cents for one month. And let's say that I'm going to opt to try Amazon ads to push that book. Okay, so a 99 cent book on sale for a month, thousand dollar budget, and I'm only going to do Amazon ads. Those are our parameters to ask these questions. Okay, um, to be able to get a, a decent, halfway decent answer to both questions, you got to dig a little bit deeper. You can't just look at cost per click. Everybody hangs on cost per click, right? So if I've got a thousand dollars in ad spend and I get 10,000 impressions or 100,000 impressions, I've got a really good cost per click, right? Super, super good. Well, that's great. But the first thing, even before looking at cost per click, what you've got to look at is how many units would I have to sell at 99 cents, so a 35 cent royalty per book, how many 35 cent royalties would I have to get to make my $1,000 spend back that I spent for the Amazon ads, right? So you would take how much you're going to spend on ads. You're going to divide that by the royalty per sale. So for this example, I would have to sell 2,857 copies of my ebook to break even, just break even, not, not gain anything, just break even on what I spent for the ads to begin with, Okay. So the first question you're going to ask yourself is, am I comfortable spending a thousand dollars? And and the answer, sh- I mean, yeah, the answer should be no. You look at that and they're like, that's uh, that's you know, not doesn't make good financial sense. Not for Amazon ads. Now for a BookBub, different yeah. story. <laughs> okay, the different right. story. So you've so it's not just that you've got to ask yourself the questions you've got to do the market research involved to help you formulate the answer that works best and is healthiest for your career right yeah so i personally because there's so much fluctuation and there's so much twitchiness and algorithms and um customer whims you, you know, uh, I personally would not spend a thousand dollars on amazon ads I personally would rather spend that on a book bub because I've get I know people are going to see that that are in my target genre reader audience. So if it were me personally, I would say, yeah, I'm comfortable spending that money, but no, I'm not comfortable spending it on Amazon ads or on Facebook ads or on, you know what I mean? So there's some differentiation and each author has got to find that out for themselves. But that's one right. of the and ways I mean, the calculation changes slightly uh, depending on how um, big your your catalog is too, right? And mm. how much read through you're going to have because it's right. not. Then it becomes not just um, I have to sell twenty eight hundred copies of the book that I'm advertising, but um, is that going to lead to sales in other books, right? And so that I guess makes those comp those calculations are a little more complicated as you grow in your career yeah. <laughs> and the variables sort of start to grow with you. Right. Well, for the longest time, one of the challenges was unless you were using Amazon ads, it was impossible to know what kind of return on investment you were getting. You could spend a thousand dollars on Facebook and you could look at your sales figures 
and say, oh, I know that I sent 3000 people to my product page, but how many actually bought that? Exactly. And it's it's very, especially when you're spending small amounts. And I know now they have the Amazon attribution tags, which to me are like a game changer. But I absolutely understand, you know, if I had three hundred dollars and I wanted to promote a book, then I would spend that on a newsletter hit, even though I could only do the newsletter hit one time. Whereas if I wanted to have like a, a passive income in the background, you'd want to get adverts going because adverts can run continuously but unless you've got 12 books in your series so you know you're actually getting the read through and your ads are actually making you money then you're just pouring money down the drain it's 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 a real challenge that people don't think about the other thing that they need to think about when they're in a scenario like this is you also need to figure out cost per sale not just yes. cost per click because if i spend that thousand dollars on amazon ads and out and out of the let's say i have like i said um you know ten thousand people mm. click on the ad well that's awesome but if only a hundred of them buy anything that's costing me ten dollars a sale yeah and so, so and i'm only making 35 cents on that sales so now i'm upside down on every sale by nine dollars and 65 cents <laughs> You know what I mean? So, so you can't just say I've got a thousand. I'm going to spend it on Amazon ads and 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 float merrily along. There's so much other stuff that posing the questions about risk tolerance and risk capacity is going to help you uncover some of these murkier things that a lot of people don't think about. And it kind of trains you to drill deeper and think deeper and think. You know, you got to think four or five steps ahead, especially because everything costs money. Or everything costs something, time or money or both. Because you've now, also you, got to figure out that, you know, you also got to monitor your Amazon ads. You now, do you, them and watch them and, <laughs> so. do you spend, ever spend money to get information? No, you might not get it back. Because I know that I, with th- this book, for example, that I did, I spent a lot of money, not necessarily getting it back to deliver some information. So I knew that for every 12 clicks on average i'd sell one copy of that book and then to me that was where you could start doing the math you could be like okay the book's at um three dollars 99 which means i get three dollars in royalties which divided by 12 means 25 cents so as long as i'm getting 25 cents per click then that's fine but without that information i'd just be doing guesswork yep So okay, but you don't need you don't need to do a specific test to just to gather information. I mean, you can combine two tests, I would hope, right? You yeah. Can, <laughs> you can try to do an ad that'll work and then you can figure out you know the results and then use that to to get your information. But yeah, I mean that that is that is I think what you have to do and and I think it's hard with uh you know say Facebook connecting to Amazon where you know your uh, your CPC is based on, on impressions and on the, just the regular click-throughs whereas when you um, send Facebook to a website where you can track conversion events and all that stuff right you can actually have it your CPC would actually then be per sale because you could have it you know sort of firing at the time of the sale point of purchase so um, that that is the tricky part that I think sometimes people have trouble with and in, in the math side of it is like they see these numbers and Amazon makes uh, or uh, Facebook makes them seem like you know uh, well this is the cost per click well I, I mean it's the cl- a cost I think they even call, almost call it a cost per conversion but your conversion event is a click. And it's like, but that's not the, that's not the event that I'm interested in. You know, like that's not, to me, that's not the event that I want to be tracking, but you can't track the other stuff, especially yeah. like at least when you go to a, to a third party website like Amazon. So it's, it's tricky. It's very tricky. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, you know, yeah. BookBub at least gives you, shows you averages and, and there are paid newsletters that will show you the number of clicks, um, book rate. Yeah. Is one that will they'll actually give you a report when you when you um when you post your book with them they'll actually they'll actually give you a report and it's actually broken out by storefront so you can say oh I got seven hundred and eighty clicks to through to Amazon or and five hundred and twenty through to Kobo you know but there's not a lot of them that do that um, so then it becomes you know. Uh, if you if you use scribe count, go into scribe count and saying, okay, you know, for this title, I had you know this fourteen days worth of of ad spend, and you know, in historically, and historically, here's here's my how my sales went, and you can use that to help formulate your question of, okay, this new ad spend strategy that I'm considering, you know, 
it's never a bad idea to kind of take a look at your past data to kind of help you formulate as you're trying to answer these two questions. And if you don't have past data, you know, that's the cool thing about us and the authors. We love to network. A lot of us like to, most of us like to share information. And so, you know, you can, you can come to a resource like the Hidden Gems broadcast, the podcast, and, and get answers to questions that you, that you may have. So you're not in a vacuum. Thank God. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you can, there's so many, um, you know, author forums where you see people sort of asking those kind of questions like, Hey, I'm a new author and I'm getting this and this is happening. And, and you know, what is everyone else's experience? And yeah, lots of times people will chime in and be like, yeah, you want to have it down. You want, you want the cost to be this and you want this and that, Uh, you know, in general authors are, are pretty, um, they're pretty generous with their information and their time. I mean, there's, there's certain times where they might, feel like they have some kind of secret sauce that they want to keep to themselves. But in general, you know, sharing the kind of information that just helps somebody break down, you know, what's happening in their own catalog. is not something that most authors are, are going to be, you know, reticent to share. So, uh, right. you know, asking that kind of question is often going to get you, like you said, the answer is pretty much faster than having to do it yourself and much cheaper, <laughs> you know, yeah. than having to do it yourself. It's funny because we, we of course do consulting and I consult specifically on ads and stuff. And, I'm not making anything up. Mostly it's just the things I learned from screwing up over a large number of years. And now I don't screw up, but I can be like, I screwed up. So you don't have to, I can be like, stop. Let me tell you some of the things that I learned by making mistakes. And that's, you know, that's quite, quite valuable. If you can do the networking and you can talk to other authors and, and, and and avoid their mistakes. Oh yeah. My, my grandmother always said, learn from the mistakes of others. You cannot possibly live long enough to make them all yourself. I'm trying. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's, um, I had a point and I just lost it. So I'm sorry. I'm gonna, no, 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 no. You're good. My wife's always telling me that I do that. She's got a, a, a clever point right there. And then I say something and it's like. Yeah, I think part of the, um, I think part of the benefit that will come if, if authors will begin to, at least on some level, implement these this question and answer session within themselves that may help um, maybe lessen a little bit of the fear of missing out because, you know, we see on author forums and Facebook author groups and other places where, you know, people will look it up on the, on the podium and say, well, you know, I made $50,000 this month in sales, but they don't tell you the other side, you know, how much did you spend in ads to make that $50,000 in sales? Was that all organic read through or did you spend 70 grand to make 50? You know, there's, there's, so you can't take that stuff at face value a lot of times. Right. And, and like, like we were saying before too, you don't know um, the individual situation. Like maybe they write a book that is a really popular book in Germany and they're going on and telling everybody that German translations are amazing and you should do it and it, it'll make you a ton of money and really you know for them it's because you know whatever their specific topic is that's a popular one and so you know you have to ask you see everybody talking about things like you said you can't just be like oh i gotta do that too i gotta do that too you gotta sort of step back look at your situation plug those variables into these questions do the math do the research and then decide is that is that right and 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 both of these terms risk tolerance and risk capacity have a key word in them (laughs) risk right so by doing them by answering these questions you're still taking a risk right it doesn't mean success right it doesn't it's not a guarantee right but you know you're trying to mitigate that risk you're trying to you know make it the least likely to backfire on yourself by by being prepared and and doing it the right way yeah, you you have you're always going to give yourself a better chance of success if you make informed decisions and choices. Right. It is much more likely that you are going to be upset with the results of your endeavor if you just jump off the side of the bridge. <laughs> it's just I mean, you know, it exactly. applies in life and it especially applies in indie authorship. Um, you know, a lot of us start out on a really tight budget. And so um, 
another thing that, that you can use these questions for, you know, um, risk tolerance. Um, so am I comfortable with the idea of, of hiring someone to design my covers? Well, yeah, because I can't draw my way out of a paper bag, right? I mean, I'd make the most beautiful stick figures you've ever seen on a blank background. That would be my cover because that's my skill set when it comes to, to, to crafty things, okay? Um, and then, you know, do I have to take that risk? Do I have to hire a professional cover designer to get where I want to go? Uh, again, yeah, because, again, can't draw my way out of a paper bag. So, I, I mean, it applies to even the basic. I'm just getting started. Like, I, I just finished my manuscript. Should I get it professionally edited? That's a yes from from, from my recommendation. Is it a risk you're comfortable with? That should be. It's funny because it's, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like it's a risk you're comfortable with. To be honest, the risk is not doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You'll hear about it, right? You're gonna you're gonna see reviews. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have people complaining about it, and then you know it's too late because. And I've seen this happen lots of times where somebody puts out a manuscript and they start getting reviews. Like, oh, it's filled with inaccuracy or you know spelling errors. You need a grammar check. You need this, and then you know they'll go and they'll they'll get worried. And they'll they'll pull it. They'll get it edited. They'll put it back up. Those reviews are still there, right? Yeah. I mean, and and the people don't know that you fixed it. You know, and, uh, you know, it's it's tough now, you know, you've got to sort of pull it and start over. Um, yeah. So you want to you want to sort of like have those things off of the past before they happen, not after. Yeah. And and the other cool thing about these two concepts is that they're going to apply whether you have not published a book yet ever in your life or you've got 400 in your catalog. This, this the these two concepts, risk tolerance and risk capacity are evergreen. They don't change just like a, a whole ton of other accounting and finance concepts don't change. So once you learn this and once you decide to add this to your arsenal, help grow and manage your business, it's not like you have, this is not something that, that has to be refreshed or updated. You get the concept down. It's kind of like addition. You get the concept down, you're good. Right. The only thing that changes is the variables that get plugged in. Right. The only, the only thing that changes are the specific questions you're trying to answer. Should I do audiobook? I myself as an accountant and as an author who did audiobooks too soon in her career, this is going to vary from person to person. But if somebody were to ask me personally, I would say don't spend to do audio unless you've made enough on the ebook of that title that you can pay for audio outright. Uh, we, you know, in in this podcast, we've actually heard that piece, that exact piece of advice before. <laughs> because so, so I, if you're out there listening, that's this is this is good advice. Well, because I lived it, you know, I did it way too soon. I didn't answer these. I didn't implement the asking of these two questions at that time, and it bit me. It it was four thousand dollars worth of bitten me, bit me. So and the and the other option is you you put push that risk onto somebody else by selling your audiobook rights, which is what I did and, and let them worry about it and they or can you, pay you and then take you, on all that risk. Or, you know, if you, if you have a narrator that's willing to do royalty shares so that you mitigate yep. your risk a little bit further, that's another option. But the hard and fast question is, do I have to, even above the whole, am I comfortable with this? I feel like the more important question of the two is, do you have to do it right the second to get where you want to go? Yeah. And, and if it's you very honest, easy to get tunnel visioned, isn't it? Tunnel vision, fear of missing out. Hey, yeah. the Korean market's going to open and we're all going to do Korean translations. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> I, th Portuguese, I think, all you know, maybe not. It's almost like there should be like a, a list, a hierarchy of lists, because I'm going through all my stuff. And, you know, it was very easy to be like, oh, the Germans love MC romance. I should get all my books translated. And I'm like, hold on a second maybe i should actually get paperbacks of all my books because you know some of them are still only available in ebooks maybe i should reformat them all with um scrivener or something so they 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 look better than they are and all of these basic simple steps and sometimes it's very easy just to look at that big exciting dangerous step rather than the much smaller safer steps you can take before you're well, ready to make that i mean yeah you can implement cost benefit analysis as well here so you say, okay, I've got $1,000 to spend. That's not even going to get me one title translated, but 
thousand dollars, I can get a paperback cover and a hard cover and a large yep. print cover made. I can get my large print formatted by somebody who has the patience to do that because I don't. So for a thousand dollars, you can go from having just ebook to having ebook, paperback, large print, hardcover. So now you've got four different formats that are revenue streams for you for the same thousand that wouldn't have even gotten you a German translation or Spanish or Portuguese. So Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. The bean counter tries to help people with their beans. I try to help people with their beans because we all have a limited amount of beans. So what is the, what is the biggest thing, sort of your biggest win, do you think of approaching writing this way in your own career? What was the the one thing where you were like, oh, wow, that was, you know, I took the risk and it paid off. Rebranding the covers, hunt hands mm-hmm. down, rebranding those covers, rebranding the covers. And then along with that, Around the same time came the decision to take that historical fiction and not make it the first book in series, make it a a, a special bonus for subscribers. Those yeah. two things. That's but, that's one of the things that so many, you know, the I've got a 12 book series at the moment and it's continuing. And the first book in the series is the, the linchpin that's meant to attract all the readers in. But it's also the first book I ever wrote. So it wasn't actually as good as all the other ones. So like for me, going back and rewriting that first book was was something that cost practically nothing, but was like really a linchpin to making the rest of the series successful. It's amazing so, all well, the cool stuff it? we learn on the way in. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you decide to 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 make that change with the uh, pulling that book out and like it, it did? Was that feedback from readers, or um, you just decided that that was something you wanted to try? Or horrible read through. Yeah. I had horrible read through. From book one, from when that book was book one, I had a horrible read through from book one to book two. Right. Okay. And that's now, how did you, how did you work that out? Um, how did I work that out? I, uh, um, read through specifically. Read through is tough. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to to know. Yeah. I, I pulled, um, all my sales figures from the moment those two books launched in March, 2019. Cause I'd, I'd written them previously and I, again, I didn't know what I didn't know. And way back in 2010, I had made the mistake of hooking up with a vanity press. I didn't know it was a vanity press at the time. If you were within the sound of my voice, if you come across a vanity press, please run as hard and as fast as you can. The other direction money yeah. should flow to the author, not from the author. Yep. And so, Amen. okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I had actually written, but wall of secrets was written back in 2010 book of secrets. What became the title book of secrets was written in 2018. So I had those two titles figured out. I was with the vanity press when I actually got enough knowledge as an indie author to go, ah, uh, duh, got my rights back. And so those two books were already ready to go. I just needed new covers and new titles. Right. So I published them simultaneously in March of 2019. And when I got, I had just launched the fourth book in series, Path of Secrets. Well, at, at the time, it was the fourth book. No, wait. Web? No. Wall? Book? List? It's sad. I can't remember which back then, what they ever numbered. Wall? Book? List? Web? Okay. So what is now book three, back then it was book four. That book had just come out. And so I sat down one day and I pulled read-through numbers from Inception till that point in time and it was right it was right before i booked the consult with craig so from march 2019 to september 2020 so i had a solid year's worth of data on books one and two and the route through was horrendous if i could get people to book two which is now book one that read through from that book after to the next two books was really good but the, the gap between the existing book one and book two is horrible but what a big that's a that's a a, a leap of faith that's like a, a excuse expression a come to jesus moment isn't it you're like, <laughs> i'm a i'm an author i wrote these books this is the order that they go in how who am i who are the stupid readers to not not want to read the books in the orders that i wrote them it's like you have to really be quite humble and and self-aware and to be able to make such a big decision like that so that's quite admirable well, part of it was, you know, like I said, the the first book had been written in 2010. And so by the time 2020 rolled around, I had three more books under my belt. I'd grown a lot yeah. as a as a writer. 
And, but it took that, that 10 year soak to get to a point where I could actually look at honestly at that first book and go, Oh, everybody who reads this is going to be expected more historical stuff. That's a problem, you know? So I said, and, and I was, I, and I, I'm also a little bit lazy and I did not want to have to write a whole new thing just to have a reader magnet to do newsletter signups with. So I thought, okay. That works. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be as I mean, economical I, as possible and as effective as possible. So I asked and answered the two questions and said, okay, obviously the, the one set in 19, in, in post-World War II Berlin to present day, obviously that's not a good funnel starter for me. I don't want to throw it away. It's got good information. It's got information that pertains to characters later on in the series. What am I going to do with this thing? And then the light went ding newsletter magnet. Yeah. And, and it's, it's looking at the data, which is like everything you're all about here, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's what you do, but, but it, it's a good lesson for everyone else. And I think that that's always something that we sort of talk about on the blog as well is um, looking at, your data and your uh like everything all all of the all the variables everything that goes into everything knowledge is power and the more you understand about your own stuff not just everyone else's but your own you know you i've talked about this with with others too where they're like um you know they don't want to read the bad reviews or whatever you know and i'm like you don't want to put your head in the sand right like sometimes those bad reviews can tell you something sometimes they're they're Useless, right? Oh, right. I didn't like it because the main character's name was Bob and my ex-husband's <laughs> name is Bob and I just, I hate him. So I hate this character. You know, that you can ignore it, certain reviews, right? But then there's ones where like, you know, oh, I, I couldn't connect with the characters. They were really flat. And then you see three or four people saying roughly the same thing. Well, maybe it's time to look at that, you know? And and if you if you hide from that information, you can't ever fix it because you don't even know it's there, right? So it's uh, kudos to you for, for looking at all that data and figuring it out and then and realizing that changes need to be made and that data helped you figure out where those changes should, should happen. Well, Having the self-awareness and willingness to make those changes rather than just be like, oh no, it's the readers that are wrong. Well, the yeah, end of the, at, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, an author can sit back and say, there's nothing wrong with my stuff all they want to. But, you know, the num- past a certain point, the numbers don't, they just don't lie. They don't lie. And it, and if you've got, you know, reviews are, can be kind of shaky ground. They can be very demoralizing, right? Because the reader doesn't know, and a lot of them really don't care. You know, they don't know that it took you 10 years to write that first book. And they don't know that that's your, that's your your love child, your emotion, your baby, you know, all they know is that they couldn't connect with the story for whatever reason. And so Craig brings up a very good point. I think you got to be really careful wading through bad reviews because some of them can be so mean, but you've got to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff because sometimes your readers, if you, if you do it with discernment, a lot of times your readers will point out exactly what's going on that needs to be fixed. They may not be polite about it. You know, now you got to kind of, kind of marry that concept with the fact that reviews are subjective yep. and pass and, and you can't take them personally. You can't take them personally, but at the end of the day, you've got to consider your reader base because they're the ones spending their hard earned dollars to pick up your work. And they have a ton of people to choose from. Yeah. Uh, amen. Absolutely. So, so, so unfortunately, we're, we're coming up to the end of the hour. This has been a fascinating discussion. I think <laughs> I, hopefully people listen to this. You know, you've been sharing some of the stuff that you've said. You know, it's not rah rah, super exciting, but it's so fundamental to being able to turn this into a career or actually be successful at this. And it's, you know, the looking at the data points and being willing to make choice uncomfortable choices about your books like those are such fundamental things so we really appreciate you sharing that with us thank you i appreciate you guys and the opportunity i will uh, close out and say to my fellow authors please look at your data it's going to help looking at where you've come from is going to help you really more successfully chart where you're going but you also need to allow yourself some grace 
there's not a single one of us that comes into this business and gets everything 100% right 100% of the time, especially when we first start out. So allow yourself some grace, check your numbers, and utilize risk tolerance and risk capacity to help you make better decisions. Wise, wise words. Well, before we wrap things up, Craig, do you have anything else to say? I mean, she summed it up pretty good right there. I, I'm really of the same opinion, and I, I think I hope that authors were able to get past the idea that you know maybe this would be a little bit math based, or you know, a lot of people, a lot of myself included, like you know, once they start thinking, you know, it's going to be a little math involved. I don't really need that in my life right now. School's over, you know. But uh, but I think you know it's it's super it's it's easy, but also I think you you gave us some good examples so that it becomes more than math, right? It becomes you know this formula that is real to us because you put it in, you know, the terms that, that we've all um, probably needed it put in, like, you know, in terms of the advertising or in terms of decisions like podcasting or translations or whatever. I mean, it, it goes on forever. So thank you again for, for bringing this topic to us and um, you know, for everything you've done, you've written a couple, I think uh, blogs for us in the past. So it's been great. And I, I'm so happy to hear how successful you've become. So that's really, it's really great. Speaking of that, where, where can everyone find your work? Um, I, my website is two of hearts.com. That's the, um, number two of H-A-R-T-S.com. All my stuff is wide. So my books are on Kobo, Apple, Google play, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, I actually, how promiscuous of you. <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually co-wrote a nonfiction book called accounting for authors. I co-wrote oh. that with Mark Leslie Lefebvre and that too is available everywhere. That is wonderful. Well, we'll obviously pop a link down below, but uh, it's always good for people to, to get caught up with that. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. We really, really appreciate it. And for all of you out there listening or watching on YouTube, if you have appreciated what you've heard today, make sure to, to leave a comment down below and let us know because uh, that is always appreciated. And if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. Thank you so much for supporting us. Bye-bye.